name is Captain Kyle Smith, and this week I sat down for a morning meeting with San Diego Firefighter Paramedic Luke Manns. Luke has been grinding away since he came on back in 2012. Through his consistent action and focusing on the fundamentals, he's now well on his way towards financial independence. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, hey Luke, welcome to the bullpen. Thanks for meeting me. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Appreciate it. Yeah, brother, I'm uh, I'm excited to have you on here. Uh, it's a long time coming. We'll, we'll uh, we're gonna learn more about you in your first alarm here, but uh, we go back a long ways, and uh, I'm just stoked to have you here in the bullpen. Thanks, man. Anything you need, uh, let me know, and I'll happy to help. Appreciate yeah. you having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how have uh, how have you guys been kind of coping with the pandemic? I know you have a little one at home. How that cannot be easy for for a family where both mom and dad are working. Yeah, it's been tough. They shut down uh, my boy's school not too long ago for two weeks. One of the kids tested positive for for COVID, so they shut down his school, which is difficult. Obviously, childcare for, like you mentioned, my wife's a nurse, 20, 24 hours for me, 12 hours for her. Luckily, my mom lives here, so she can help out. But then um, as far as the pandemic in general, we've lost some travel time, traveling over to Texas. My wife's from Texas, so we go back there a couple times a year, haven't been able to do that. But other than that, we're still getting out, still having a good time, enjoying each other's company and making the best of it. Yeah, man, that's what we're all trying to do. Um, I want to just say thank you to, to both you guys for your service. Uh, this has been a trying time for everybody, but particularly when you have uh, both, both of you guys on the front lines fighting this thing. Um, I know that's been difficult, and um, hopefully we're kind of now starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I know that the, uh, a lot of folks have been getting the vaccine. And, um, you know, the follow-up one, I guess, is three weeks later or whatever. But um, hopefully hopefully, we're getting close. I'm ready. I'm ready to get on an airplane and go somewhere. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, um, right on. Well, I can't, I can't promise you an airport, uh, airport or an airplane, but I can promise you a first alarm. So you ready to get that thing going? Let's get it going. Right on. Well, you will know Luke, that uh, first alarm assignment at San Diego Fire Department consists of four engines and a truck. But here at the firehouse, I'll ask you four questions. You give us one piece of advice. You ready? Sounds good. All right. Well, you know that when you're first in, you got to give a size up. So a size up is who you are, where you work, and how long you've been doing it. All right. So my name is Luke Manns. I'm a born and raised here in the city of San Diego. And right now I work at Station 12 in Lincoln Park. Been there for coming up on two years now. And I've been on the job uh, eight years as a firefighter. Before that, on the ambulance for quite some time, which is where I met you. But uh, on the job at the fire department, got hired December 2012. Right on. Uh, those folks that are listening that aren't familiar with our city or in particular where Lincoln Park's at, can you just describe for them where that's at? Uh, well, it's right by Lincoln High School. That is, a, if you're not familiar with that, doesn't make much of a difference. But uh, it's like Southeast San Diego, lower socioeconomic group. But uh, it's a busy firehouse. Go to fires, go to a lot of medical aids. And uh, it's my favorite station on the job. I have pretty much the seniority to go to any station I want. And I'm not going anywhere. That's the one I picked. And I love it there. Yeah, I know the feeling, man. I spent some time there myself in the backseat. And um, Station 12 holds a special place in everybody's heart that that bids in there just because it is an awesome place to be. It's with it's with folks that are like-minded, that, that like being busy. They like to work hard. They like to train. Um, they get a lot of experience coming out of there. And um, it's just a great place to be. The people there are super appreciative to, to what services our fire department provides them. And... Um, you know, like, like all of us, they're struggling through this whole pandemic too. And, and it, it feels good to be able to give them that high level of customer service that I know you guys are, uh, are carrying on there at 12. So uh, well done on that. 
Um, yeah, man. Um, so just moving on, we've known each other for a long time since before you even came on the job, since back when I was new on the job, um, which wasn't that long ago. But back in those days, even for me, you know, financial literacy, financial education wasn't even on my mind. I was just trying to see if I could remember, you know, which compartment carried all the medical aid gear back in those days, right? And um, what back back then? What about you? What sort of background did you have in financial literacy? Well, I graduated from San Diego State with a business degree, but that doesn't mean a whole lot, right? I just studied a lot more besides business while I was there. But uh, but I always had like in the forefront, my dad was a, a bit of a dreamer. He had a house here. Then he had some property in um, Colorado as well, him and my mom, like a vacation home. And this was before Airbnb, before VRBO. So my dad was on the forefront, I think, of like um, financial literacy. He wasn't a finance guy, but he was always watching Mad Money on CNN and following the stock market. And he would always say, hey, give me $5,000. I'll give you 7,500 at the end of the year. And listening to him and then now listening to podcast has kind of increased my awareness of financial literacy so that I can make better decisions, not, not for me, but for, for my family. I want to spend more time at home and um, less time at work and just enjoying their company. So that's what financial, financial literacy is for me. And obviously what you're doing has been a great help and um yeah that's pretty much what we're trying to what we're trying to achieve here yeah no for sure and and we all we all hold this you know similar sentiments where you know it's not that we don't love the job it's not like that we don't love being at work it's that we love being here more right and and we're trying to work hard so that we can enjoy the time that we have here at home not that not that we're not grateful for what we have and what this job has given us and and the the um, foundation that it's provided for our families, but like everybody else, man, we want to be home. We want to be able to to spend time with the ones that we love the most. And, and, um, I think that just rings true for everyone. It is nice though, that your dad had that little bit of background. He had that little bit of foresight to get involved in real estate or, um, early on and kind of pass some of those, those lessons on down to you. Not everybody's like that. Not everybody comes on with really any amount of financial literacy. Um, so I, I'm sure you must feel fortunate for, for that education that you're given oh definitely it's, uh, it's uh, invaluable you know what i mean seeing what they did learning from their mistakes you know um yeah it's been it's helped me make my own decisions a little bit better you know yeah for sure and and that's the whole intent of the firehouse in general is to to carry on that conversation so that we can push this information out maybe maybe you can share with us today and maybe we'll get into it later on in your first alarm some of the mistakes that your dad made or some of the mistakes that you've made to to help us so that we're not making those same mistakes ourselves. And, and that's what all this is about. Sure, yeah. Um, so you mentioned, um, you came on 2012. Correct. Yeah. December, 2012. Yeah. So what share for people that maybe aren't familiar with our system, share, share with them what was significant about coming on the San Diego fire department at that time. So I was the first Academy not to be, um, given a pension. So we had a, no longer defined benefit was a big prop B um, article in the in politics and then it got approved since it's been legal battles to be um, proven illegal but they were still fighting that fight today but I was the first Academy not to be awarded a pension so the city matches 11% of my income and then I throw in 11% so that that is, is quote unquote our, our retirement so uh, is it is it more like a 401k sort of retirement what what sort of retirement? Yeah, they, they call it a 
SPSPH, which is a supplemental pension savings plan or something like that. I think that's what it stands for. But it's a, it's a, it's a 401k type benefit that we, that, that we have post 2012. Yeah. So everybody that came on after 2012 is, is in this SPSPH. Um, different than a pension, it's a defined contribution. So like Luke said, he's contributing 11% of his gross income and the, the city is matching that amount. And that goes into a pot that is being managed um, outside of your control. It's being managed by somebody else. Um, and, and it has the potential to do some really great things. You know, it, it, it's going to be dependent on what the stock market does and, and, and the asset allocation that you put into that fund. The difference between that and what uh, people that came on prior to that is with a defined benefit. So for all of the folks that came on before that, they all know exactly how much money they're going to get each month and can use that to kind of set their, set their, um, their plans in place or their goals in place, um, knowing that, you know, short of the city going bankrupt or something, they can rely on that money. Um, so the, while the SBSVH for me isn't ideal, I do see how there are some benefits to it. Um, some things that folks need to understand though, that are in that, that sort of retirement system, whether it's here in San Diego or elsewhere, is you run the risk of, it's called the sequence risk of returns, that if you walk off the job and you retire in a period when the market is really down or deflated or we're in a depression or something, that's going to have a serious impact on how much money that you can withdraw. It's, you know, how much your drawdown that you can do. Um, because if you're in a depression like that, your overall amount of money in that account is obviously going to be uh, dependent on that. And what will happen is if you, if you are making plans based on X amount of money each month and you're in a depression like that, you're going to have to seriously recalculate. You're going to have to seriously readjust, may even have to stay on the job a little bit longer until that market starts to come back up. So it is something for people to be aware of. If you're not familiar with it, I'll link an uh, article uh, about sequence risk in the uh, show notes there. Um, so with that being said, Luke, um, like without, without you sharing, you know, really your personal information, what, like, how did you even know about the SPSVH? What did you know about your asset allocation inside that fund? What have you done um, to be proactive in terms of um, figuring out that fund and then stuff outside of that? Well, I didn't know anything when I got hired. I just wanted to get on the job. It was my dream to work for the San Diego Fire Department. I mean, I didn't know how much I was making, and I was I just want to get on the job. I, I was passionate about the job, want to learn the job, still do, still am. So I didn't know anything about my retirement when I, when I got hired. Then I started putting, wheels started turning. Okay, hey, I got six months on the job. What are you guys talking about? Pension, what is people working at the sitting down at the table? People talking to me about 401k. Um, adding, um, put it in a 457 so that you can get, um, decrease your taxable liability and then increase your taxable, uh, your, your income rather. So when you get in the, when you first get in the, the prop B, you get like the most conservative tier. And if you don't change that, it's going to be that. So after talking probably with you and some other folks, I went and saw a financial planner that had a friend that worked at Wells Fargo. He was pretty literate with all this stuff knew what he was doing and so i went every six months every year once a year and made sure that my allocations were appropriate based on my income based on now i have a family if you want to put money away for college for my my son or what have you but it's 
it's ever changing. So I just wanted to make sure that I was utilizing the correct uh, resources so that I can change with the environment that I'm in. And so now I'm using a fiduciary that you recommended actually, um, Jeff over there in Coronado, I've been speaking with him so that we can just make sure that, hey, here's my investments. It's a pretty diverse portfolio. I just wanna make sure that it's that we're headed in the right direction. But I pretty much had to take on the, all that information myself. I didn't have anybody, um, like I was expecting maybe someone on the job or like the local 145 maybe help us out, but it was brand new to them too. Nobody knew really. So we're all learning together now. I think we've got some people on the job that are able to help out and steer us in the right direction. Yeah, no, for sure. That, that prop B thing was a disaster. Um, it's, it's still being fought in the courts. Like you mentioned, um, it looks like it's going to get overturned and we'll be able to become whole again, bring you guys all back into the pension system, which is um, just fantastic news. It was, it's been proven to be um, an illegal proposition, but without getting into all the details of that, yeah, I think the local, they, they just didn't really know. Right. They didn't know how this was all going to shake out. And they were also hopeful that uh, the day would come where we got you guys back into the pension system. Um, you mentioned uh, Jeff. I'll link to his card. I had him on the morning meeting here recently. And um, he's just a fantastic guy. Um, know, is a, just a wealth of knowledge, is a fiduciary, which is important for anybody that's out there listening, um, interested in, in finding a financial planner. Make sure that they're a, uh, a fiduciary. They'll be acting in your best interest with no conflict of interest there. Um, one thing you, you touched on, Luke, which was really important that I don't want to gloss over. You're talking about rebalancing your portfolio about once a year or so, every six months. Yeah. It's important for people to know that that is really, um, really important to, to rebalance, but don't do it like all the time. Just you should be setting these, these investments up, not set it and forget it, but sort of a little more arm's distance, meaning don't be in there every time you see the market move. Don't be in there rebalancing. No, just pick a date, one or two days a year. Uh, maybe it's your birthday, your wife's birthday. Maybe it's your anniversary or whatever. Go in there and rebalance. And all rebalancing is, is um, it's a way for you to get back in there and adjust your, um, your holdings so that they're um, in alignment with your asset allocation, your risk tolerance, and your investment goals. And once you've done that, you know, you get in there and you see, let's say you're, you're I'm not saying this is you, but this is just a generality. You're 80% stocks and 20% bonds. And um, you go in there to rebalance once or twice a year and you see that your, your, your asset allocation, that percentage is a little out of whack. Well, all you have to do is just either sell a little bit of the stocks, buy a little bit of the bonds to get back in that right proportion, um, vice versa, or maybe you're doing good and you just leave it alone. Um, but it is important to go in there, take a look, resist the tempta temptation of rebalancing all the time because what you're going to wind up doing is timing the market and that's been proven time and time again throughout history nobody has ever been able to successfully do that um if they had we would know about it right they would be the most powerful people in the world and with that we would know their names so with that being said um you're on the right track you're doing a great job um but uh, you know other than seeking out a financial advisor who's a fiduciary has your best interest in mind, F figuring out, um, you know, where these, these monies were going, what fund they were in, how, who to talk to doing all this stuff, which is great. You're being proactive. You're taking steps to secure your financial health. Um, what's, what's some other stuff that you've been up to maybe outside the job? Oh, uh, like teach at Miramar college. That's a, like another, a lot of very common, you know, side job that firefighters have in, in San Diego. Um, so it's 
pays well. It's less time. Like I said, it can do that four or five hours and then come home and see the family. And then in 2014, I had two years on the job. I had saved up every money, every dollar I've had since I was 16, started working when I was 16 years old. And then in 2014, I bought a, a duplex in Ocean Beach. You know, I was paying rent. My wife and I were paying rent. My parents were paying rent. We said, hey, that's, we're wasting that money. Let's combine our rent, rental income, our rental buying power and buy a duplex. So I bought a duplex in 2014. And then my parents moved in the back. And then um, my wife and I moved in the front. And then we're building up that, that sweat equity because the place was not good. So we put in that sweat equity to now we can demand um, rents based on, you know, what we had before, it wouldn't, would have, would have, would not have rented for very much. Now with what we have in the, obviously the location's great, but what we've done into the, I think you even helped me pull some ceiling and pull some drywall off that one. But I, I know um, I definitely, sweat equity, you, but now, I, I know I definitely helped you drink some beer. I don't know how much help I was actually able to do there. with Yeah, the, the yeah, exactly. I, I definitely held up the yeah. wall and, and drank some beer though. I remember that. <laughs> I think uh, Kaylee was kicking her soccer ball on that. So I knocked down the jar with her soccer ball. Yeah. <laughs> but now we're able to command higher rents, you know. But uh, those two things I think have been my biggest things, just that duplex, obviously, because it's, it's, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm in this situation where I like to buy and hold. I don't want to buy and sell. I'm not looking for that short, short-term property. I'm looking to potentially give my son, hey, here's five properties. They're all yours. You can handle it now. That's, that's my long-term goal. Here's five properties, maybe more what have you. And so that, that's what I'm looking at working on buying and holding and having a duplex that just covers the mortgage. I'm fine with as long as it just covers the mortgage. It's fine by me. No, that's awesome, man. That, I mean, that is just such an awesome way of doing it. And, and actually a really common way too, um, for folks to get involved in investing in real estate is buying a property that is undervalued and then getting in there and putting in the work yourself. Um, maybe you hire out the stuff that you can't do yourself, but then you, you contact your buddies, you contact the hacks that you know, like me to come over and maybe pull down some ceilings and drywall and whatever else. Um, and then you put it back together and you make a, uh, you added value to your property. From there, you can either increase the rents. You're not going to, you're not going to gouge anybody, but you can bring the rents up to what a fair market value would be. Um, yeah, exactly. Maybe you could, maybe you could pull some equity out and use that chunk of money to go buy another property. Maybe that's a route that you could take, or you could just buy and hold and let it ride and, and slowly let inflation and that appreciation take, do its, you know, make, may, uh, work its magic. And then over time, then you have something really great to pass down. But what I love, man, what I love to hear you saying is you're starting with the end in mind. You know, that at some point you want to leave something great for your, your family. And that's an, it's a really motivating thing to do, but it also, it allows you to, if you start with the end in mind, then you can backtrack and go step-by-step step backwards to where you're sitting at right now and deconstruct that thing and know that, um, this is my vision. This is my goal. I just have to do these steps to get there. And it just, it makes everything so much more attainable that way. So much more, it's like tangible that way. And, and it's, it's, it's easier, at least for me, it's easier when I do it like that. It's easier for me to, um, just check each step off on the way there. Yeah. Going back to what you said too, is like pulling out equity in the home. Right now we all know that those interest rates are cheap. It's cheap money. You can, Build up that place, have your buddies come over, do a work party. And then next thing you know, 
you go to refi the house or you do a HELOC based on the appraisal and it appraises for way more and you're getting a, it's, it's just, you're not going to find cheaper money right now or like what, two or 3% depending on what your interest rate is and your, your, what you qualify for. But it's cheap money and I'm not taking that, I'm taking that money and going to reinvest it in another property so that next thing, and then I'm going to do the same thing by that worst house on the best block. We have another work party. Refi. Do it. I mean, that's it's just a, just a, domino effect you know what i mean for sure something tells me i'm i'm like getting signed up for a little more demo work here but that's okay yeah um, circling yeah. back you mentioned uh you're teaching at miramar college for those folks again who, who aren't from around here don't know uh, miramar college is a junior college here in town a lot of our folks uh teach emts and and um, some fire science classes there it's a really awesome way for those for our guys to kind of have a little side hustle there um people ask a lot man about you know, I have this, I got, I got a tax refund back or I got this chunk of money or, you know, I, you know, I have a little bit of extra cash. Should I pay off my house? Should I pay off my mortgage, you know, more quickly? Now for me, it, it's all about like how, how inexpensively can I get this money or how inexpensively can I use this money? So if I have a chunk of money, um, it, for me, in my mind, it doesn't make a lot of sense to, to pay down my mortgage more quickly um, because that interest rate is so low. I, I feel like I could, I could, make more money investing easily. I can make more than the 2.875% easily in the market or in real estate or elsewhere um, instead of just paying that money down, paying that mortgage down. So for me, it, it, it doesn't really make sense. I understand the, um, the psychological piece of this, you know, not having any debt. That's a really awesome feeling, I'm sure. Um, but for me in, in this phase of life and for you, I'm sure it's the same where you, it, you know, maybe you call it the accumulation phase of life. And for me, I, I feel like I can make better investment choices elsewhere than paying down that mortgage. My opinion, um, everybody's yeah. a little bit different, but that's mm. my about. dad. My dad was the same exact way. He said, he said, we're never paying this house off. Yeah. Cause as soon as we, okay, we owe a hundred thousand. Guess what? We're going to refi and I'm going to take that $500,000 in equity and I'm going to, buy another place he goes we're never paying this house off yeah. it's going to be yours and you're going to own the debt and but you go what are you going to do pay down and refi and do it over and over so yeah you and i've talked about that if you're if you can earn back more than three percent then why are you paying off paying it off early you know yeah no it's no brainer i think back in the day when when I, my first mortgage man i think was like seven and a half percent you know so back in those days is like or even before when it's in like the teens you're getting a mortgage in the teens then it makes sense, right? Get get this off the books as soon as possible. But in sure. today's day and age, with with these rates how low they are, for me it doesn't make sense. I'm not saying that's yeah. the only way, but it, it's one way. And it sounds like you and your dad were on the same page. Um, it, I mean, from what I'm hearing, dude, you're you guys are crushing it. Even though it may not feel like it all the time, um, but what it's not always smooth sailing when when you're in real estate, when you're in a stock market, you make mistakes. You mentioned dad's made mistakes. Do you have a favorite mistake, something that you learned from, something that, that maybe it knocked you down a little bit, but then it, you know, once you picked yourself back up, you're like, you know what? Okay, I learned from that. Now I can move on. You know, it was a little uh, being a first-time quote-unquote landlord, you know what I mean? I didn't have that emergency fund that you talked about. I remember listening to Tim Rollins. He talked about it. Everyone talks about it, really. But I was paying the water. The water was included in the rent, right? So the water bill that month was $700. I go, Hey, you guys put a pool in what's going on here? You know what I mean? Usually it's 80 bucks. Now it's $700. 
we talk about renters, they want it fixed now, right? They come and fix it now. Or they just don't even tell you. Oh, there was a water leak, but eh, it wasn't bothering me, whatever. So I didn't tell you. I'm not paying the water bill. I get the water bill. $700 for one month of water. So that was a big eye-opener that, hey, it's the water bill now, but what, what could it be? Could it be, you know, electrical or could it be, hey, it rains and the, the roof is gone. We need a new roof. So me right now, I'm just building up that emergency fund so that I don't get that shock value. It's almost an anticipated thing that eventually one of these things is going to happen. And then living by like that 50-30-20 rule, you know what I mean? Have 50% is paying off what I need, 30% what I want, and that 20% is that savings, especially for uh, this type of quote-unquote emergency, you know? Oh, I love that. Can you just say that again? The Is it the 50-30-20 rule? Yeah, the 50-30-20 rule is like 50% of your income, you're going to pay it. That's what you need to pay for what you need. 30% is going to be for what you want to do, and then 20% is going to be that savings plan. Awesome. And that's kind of what we've adopted right now. It's just to kind of help us get ahead, you know? Oh, that's brilliant, man. If you can even save 10% of your income, you're doing great. Um, that was one that Zeke Sanchez mentioned from a morning meeting back a few months ago. I'll link to his morning meeting here. He said some advice that his dad gave him is if you could save 10% of every dollar, when you get to retirement, you're going to be just blasting off and you guys are saving 20% of every dollar. So man, that is just absolutely outstanding. Well done. Um, that thing about the reserves, having enough reserves on hand for when whatever happens, because something is going to happen is so important. It, it, it's more important than almost anything else is having that emergency fund set up, you know, pay down your commercial uh, credit card debt, your consumer debt, all that other stuff. But then you have to have that emergency fund in place. Otherwise, none of this stuff m makes any sense because what is going to happen is you're going to get a $700 utility bill that you didn't see coming and it's going to wipe you out if you have to put that on a credit card that you're being charged 20% on. Um, so yeah, that, that reserves thing or the emergency fund, like you call it, um, is so important. Uh, that can't be emphasized enough. And Tim, you're right. Tim Robles was talking about it. I mean, you, almost everybody that comes on here says the same thing. As long as, you know, if you're involved in real estate for any period of time, you will you will know that and you're either going to learn it the hard way or you're going to learn by the mistakes that the rest of the, everybody else has done prior to, to all this. So just please do build up that little emergency fund or have your reserves on hand before you get into any of this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Right on. Um, looking back, Luke, you know, you, you talked about some of the mistakes that you've made. You talked about some of the really awesome fundamentals that you're taking care of, which is great, man. It, what piece of advice would you give somebody that came on after 2012 that's now in this post-pop B, SPSBH type retirement? Um, we're, all, we're all here. I think most of us are here with fingers crossed, thinking and hoping that um, it gets overturned and we get everybody back into the pension. But um, I, I would just hope that everybody is, is here listening to you um, getting inspired to take action and, and take responsibility for their financial well-being. But with that in mind, man, what, what would you tell them? What, what's one piece of advice you'd give them? Yeah, I know, I know you and I have talked about this, but you know, we don't want to quote unquote count on the city for anything, right? That's our goal. We have this pension or we have this prop B type of deal, but ideally we're have 
little side gigs or real estate or investments that potentially worst comes worst city does go bankrupt. Well, Hey, okay. I have owned a couple of homes. We'll have to sell a couple or we can rent them out or what have you. You know what I mean? So not being reliable, not having that hundred percent vested interest. And if this, if the city doesn't provide for me, then I'm done. Cause then it's just like you talk about uh, multifamily properties. One person moves out, you're on the hook for hundred percent of the, of the mortgage. Right? So not being, not having to rely on that city and then realizing that when you're in prop B, they're going to put you in the most conservative tier, right? That's just automatically put in there. So if you don't take a look at it, have the conversation, you know, um, I would say surround yourself with some people that are like-minded, similar situations potentially, and that are interested in this as well. Hey, let's find out. Let's get together. Let's get those four people on a rig for a reason. We all see things a little differently. So combining those, those minds to maybe potentially have a better uh, investment or a better strategy so that you and your family are better off in the end, you know? Yeah, dude, that's awesome, man. I love that. Um, I asked you for one, you gave us three. That's the kind of guy you are. I really appreciate that. But no, man, it, it's true. Like it, nothing drives me more insane than, than, you know, driving back from a call or something and, and, you know, nobody's, nobody's even talking to each other. The, you know, the captain's looking out the, the window, the guys in the backseat are looking at their phones or whatever. No, maybe that's a chance on the way back from, from a call or something to have these conversations. Maybe it's at the fire station. Maybe it's on your day off, man. You know, the point is, is that you have to take action, right? You have to be accountable. You have to do something, take one step today and then take another one tomorrow and um, just continue down the path. And, and then eventually you can look back in 20 years and know that and I did everything I could to, to provide the sort of life, the sort of um, financial stability that I've dreamt of. Um, and, and I think if you do that, you're going to find that you, you will be successful. Um, but what you're talking about with not just relying on the city or, or this paycheck is multiple streams of income so that if something goes wrong at the city, you still have some rental income coming in or, or some money from the stock market or whatever. It, that's in our nature, man. That's, that's who we are as professional rescuers, man. We're always putting in a, a backup line right? You don't just attack a fire with a primary, you, you attack it with a primary and a backup. And then you also going to have a, an exposure line. Maybe you're going to put another one around the back, whatever you, you're, you're uh, going to go repelling. We're not going to just go down on the main line. You're also going to have a belay line, right? And these are rated at thousands and thousands of pounds. So it's in our nature to have these backups in place with the same thing applies in your financial well-being, man, is you just got to put these backup plans in place, but above anything else, you got to be accountable. You got to take action because nobody's coming to rescue you. And, um, and I think with that sentiment, man, and that those three pieces of advice, you got knocked down your first alarm, bud. Hey, thanks buddy. Appreciate you having me. Yeah. I like right what you're on. doing, man. I appreciate it. Hey, if, uh, if anybody's looking to, to learn more about you or have some questions for you, where can they find you? Well, they can, uh, email me at lukemans at hotmail.com. Hotmail, very vintage or uh, get a hold of you and they can get, get a, get a hold of me that way. Awesome. Yeah. I think uh, you and I think there's like two other people that still have hotmail addresses. Um, so yeah, it should yeah, be yeah. easy to track you down. Um, yeah, but no, yeah, I'll link all that stuff in the, uh, in the show notes and, and folks, if you're, if you're looking to learn more about prop B, if you're looking to learn more about real estate or just how to get on the path, uh, give me a call, look me up and I'll put you in touch with Luke. But uh, Hey man, again, I want to thank you, Luke, for your time today. I want to thank you and your lovely bride for all the work that you're doing out there to keep everybody safe. 
Um, I hope we're, at, we're, we're kind of pushing towards the end of this thing. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks, man. No, thank you, man. Appreciate the support. Love doing it. Right on. All right. Thanks again to my brother, Luke, for meeting me here in the bullpen, man. Luke is one of those guys that just grinds away. He doesn't talk a big game. He just gets out there and takes action. I have absolutely no doubt that if he keeps on that same path, he's going to have nothing but success in the future. If you'd like to learn more about Luke, you can find him on his email, lukemans at hotmail.com. That's mans with two N's at hotmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about us, we're on Facebook at The Firehouse. That's f.i.r.ehouse. On Instagram, the underscore fire underscore house. On LinkedIn, The Firehouse Investors, or any place you listen to podcasts. If you learned something today and you'd like to hear more, please like, share, and subscribe. But no matter what you do, take this information, go out there, and get some. Station F.